Blog Talk Radio. His own life was as bizarre as his tale. His own life story is the story of an author of fantastic imagination, a brilliant editor and critic, a poet tender and cruel, an alcoholic gambler, and debt-ridden neurotic. I sit there, wonder why my shit, me and my conglomerates shall remain anonymous, caught up in the finest shit. Get that type of media coverage Obama get. Spit that Kurt Vonnegut. Yeah. That blow your brain, Kurt Cobain, that Nirvana shit. Who gon' bring the game back? Who gon' spit that rainbow on the train tracks? That gold wolf, that five-finger rain rap. Running with my same pack. You can find the Christ where the lepers and the lanes at. Life is like a dice game. One roll can land you in jail or cutting cake. Blowing kisses in the rice rain. Nice whip, nice chain, the closet of stalls. The stench is like slave blood and private and tall. Yeah, they built my city on top of a grave. Nigga die, nigga get high and watch the parade Back in the early 90s, where they at, where they at Get the gag, get the gat was a popular phrase Bally animals and rugby's was a popular craze This the vivid memoirs of an obnoxious slave I paid ways like Nat and Harriet I blast on Judas Iscariot and peel off in the chariot uh, I'm sitting pretty, spitting flames, gripping grains Ain't a damn thing changed How did you do it? My dear boy, do you ask the fish how it swims? Or good at how it flies? Mm-hmm. No, sir, you don't. They do it because they were born to do it. Born to do it. What you are witnessing, dear friends, is the most enormous miracle of the machine age. Creation of a confectionery giant. They say Candyman, Candyman, spit me a dream. Blow a chunk of the levee out, spit me a stream. Knock a man house down and build a casino. A two thousand dollar government check from Fiend. I swam down Shit's Creek and came up clean with a new lease on life like Andy Dufresne. It's the most poetical, Nat King, unforgettable. Clarence Thirteen X and Lost Rhapsody from Bellevue. I'm splitting atoms, spitting flames, bringing change. Things will never be the same. I got the rap game singing that last like Etta James. Lames get their plane shot down like John McCain. It's a dream, it's a dream. The flow's elegant like Miss Coretta Scott King. A lot of kings seen deaf and turn queen. Crack they 24-inch rims in the ravine. Respect the architect, never test the Elohim. Good night, this is JLX Live from New Orleans. Peace, peace to the family. Peace. This is P. More Important Live to you. Know the Ledge Radio. You are now tuned in. Peace to the family. Today's show is about survival. It's strictly about solutions. Everybody knows what they're witnessing is transitional, you know what I'm saying? On whatever spectrum that you place the reality of it on is clearly transitional, you know what I'm saying? So in these particular transitional times, what does one do to prepare oneself for transition? You know what I'm saying? You don't stand by and not honor your ancestors by not heeding the particular signs and the message that are being relayed through nature's events. Uh, Whether hook or crook, it's still transitional times, and for that, you must plan to go forward. So with that, we are bringing through solutions, and we are talking to people who are capable of not only putting together the pieces for solutions, but who have been enacting solution-based policies in their own lives so they can attest to the benefits 
and the freedom of doing what comes natural to self. So at this particular time when man has to go back to nature, he has to go back to that which he has abandoned himself and disconnected himself from in order to save himself from himself or from his lower self, then it's necessary that we plan accurately, accordingly, strategically, and we execute diligently. And with that, I'm going to bring on a brother. Phone line, phone number starting at 646-245. Call it with us. This line. Peace. 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 How's it going? Peace, bro. Could you hear me? Yes, indeed. All is well. Peace. Peace. Give me a second. I'm just hooking up my headphone situation here. While you um, get that to the, together, I'm going to bring in caller number starting with 347-675. Caller, you're on the air. Hello? What's the deal? Peace, peace. Peace, what's good? Everything's uh, good, family. What's the deal? It's Cheyenne. Cheyenne, the Liberator. Peace. Welcome to No Letters Radio. What's the deal? What's good? Everything is good. These are glorious times that we are actually in, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, uh, opening the floor to bring forth this particular conversation to explain to people solution-based policies, I think that's the most liberating thing that we can do at this particular time. That's right. Because whether by hook or crook, whether by the hand of God or the hand of the government, whatever part was played, that was adversarial to the situation, then his hand has called for his own destruction. We don't even have to pay any attention. So we should be marveling at the fact that they canceled themselves out by playing such a faulty hand. Because even in the case of Katrina, as well as this case, it's not so much what they involved or what did they do conspiracy-wise, it's the response. Mm. And the response necessitates that they cancel themselves out by playing a faulty hand on showing love and compassion is not fair. So we don't even have to worry about them. So start laying the bricks for a new reality. That's where we're at with it right now in a glorious manner. Honor your ancestors by preparing for your future where the connection between you and them is between you and them and anything that's recessive to that has already been banished out of the equation. And, you know, we know personally that you have been designing a blueprint for that particular progression of like-minded individuals. So I'm going to just, you know, open the, um, the airways and let you do the rest. Peace. 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 Uh, Hello, Brother Cheyenne. You, yes, Brother Cheyenne, you gonna go first, uh, Brother Phil? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't catch the last part. My bad. My phone was going in and out. You, you said like, what you want me to, uh, you want me to go in or? My bad. Yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 all right. Now well, you um, introduce yourself to the people and explain to them 
you know what I'm saying, the policies and, you know, the actual mechanisms of the entity known as the Noon Project? Well, the Noon Project is uh, is actually something that was formed, uh, I'd say, probably around uh, 2004, 2003-2004. And, uh, you know, I was sitting at the computer one day. Well, let me just start off, you know, introduce myself. I'm Cheyenne. I'm a co-founder of the Aboriginal Law Firm, Aboriginal Law Institute, uh, and uh, founder of the Noon Project. And um, pretty much the Noon Project is pretty much a think tank. Uh, when you study geo geopolitics, you know, politics, international law, all of these different things, uh, you find out that the Rockefellers, you know, all of those, all of the philanthropists of the world pretty much finance brain trusts and think tanks to come up with solutions for problems that they deem with society uh, or with whatever mechanisms or, you know, instrumentalities of foreign governments that they choose to put in place to pretty much push their agenda. The Noon Project is pretty much, uh, you know, an Aboriginal indigenous think tank where in which, you know, we, uh, those of us who are concerned enough get together and uh, discuss solutions, strictly solutions, scientific solutions, and things that are applicable and can be, you know, applied to uh, pretty much help assist the liberation of Aboriginal Indigenous Moors. Uh, so the new project essentially is supposed to be a think tank where in which we all get together and go through, you know, solutions that are necessary for the, uh, I would say, the 16 areas of uh, you know, existence, as I would call it, uh, which would be ethereal science, law, politics, uh, economics, uh, you know, military defense, slash defense, excuse me, uh, education, health, sex, entertainment, food, clothing, shelter, transportation, communication, and technology, which is essentially all the areas that we're lacking in as a, as a nation, as an unproclaimed nation. Um, you know, so essentially... You know, we would have to apply solutions in each one of those fields in order for us to truly say we're free and that we're in a functional capacity of a nation. You know, I understand the history behind a lot of things, but, you know, I'm dealing with the technicalities of it. And when we talk about functionality and, and, and actually having a, a body that's functional enough that can give an accounting for all of our people, you know, that's essentially what would have to be implemented in order to, you know, essentially sustain such an activity. Now, when we factor in uh, all of the different things that's happening globally, uh, where in which we're talking about the, you know, natural disasters, alleged natural disasters, whether that's, you know, uh, you know, heart being used, all of these different things that are pretty much coming to the forefront right now is in the current events. When we talk about the plethora of those things, then we have to zero in and say, okay, what are we going to do in this day and time? You know, there's a lot of people who would suggest that, you know, you go, you go, you know, go into the woods, stock up on, you know, canned goods and so on and so forth. And I have that same state of mind as well, except I think that in this day and time, we have to take it a step further because no man is safe and no man will be able to escape you know, what's taking place and what's going to continue to take place. So uh, ultimately what the Noon Project proposes is that uh, 
an eco city get built uh, to, you know, provide the foundation for, you know, us in the hereafter, meaning, uh, you know, I don't know how many years, you know, nature is going to decide to cleanse itself, uh, but I'm talking about the new cycle. And in that new cycle, we have to have, you know, something set up for our posterity. Uh, and I think that that time begins at this exact moment because if we don't start to build, then we won't, you know, last, essentially, because any time new nobility came to rise in Kemet or any of our ancient cultures uh, and civilizations, there was a massive building campaign that, you know, was undertaken. And uh, that same massive building campaign has to be undertaken by the nobles of uh, of our imperial nation at this particular point as well. So just case in point, uh, not to drag on too long, the new project is what's going to, you know, get in there, figure out the solutions uh, and bring other, you know, qualified minds to the table so we can discuss these things. At least that's what it, that's what it is in its in, intent, intent-wise. Peace. That's excellent, bro. That's excellent. Thanks. Islam, um, uh, I just want to say, this is Brother Hakeem, and I just want to say that it's excellent to see young brothers and sisters coming together to put together these type of things because not only do we have to plan in terms of surviving the things that's going to take place, but we also got to look ahead and have a, have a vision and, and look ahead and plan for the new world after after the survival phase. You know what I'm saying? And what is going to be this new civilization that we are destined about destined to bring about? You know, all right. those who who's on this program now, you know, is no coincidence is that that you're on here right now. You know, it's the fact that you plan to be of those who not only survive but thrive. You know, we're not just talking exactly. about survival. But we talk right. about driving, you know. Ain't talking about on the you know side of the road on Book of Eli. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you, you know, know we we may we may have to pass through a phase, you know, a, a phase like that of of survival, but at a point where we're going to move beyond that, you know. And so there's a number of things that I want to definitely touch on. Things that's going on right now, current events wise, and things that we can Absolutely. do to survive and then thrive. Peace. Peace. Peace, indeed, indeed. You know, just uh, just to add on, you know, to that is the fact that um, that's that's very key. You know, that we plan for now and for the hereafter because if that's not done, you know, first let me just start off by saying this real quick, and uh, I, I may have said it a few times, but I think it's very important because of the perspective which I was bestowed upon from my elder. Uh, which is my aunt. She's a Mambo priestess, uh, you know, 100% Haitian, um, born in Haiti, born and raised, brought up in the, or brought up into the rites and, and, and various different things like that. And, uh, you know, she just told me, you know, do a lot of studying. She gave me a book. Uh, I don't particularly know how many people feel, you know, that spirit beings and entities are, you know, separate and apart from us or whether they see that as an energy that's reflecting out of them. Whatever the case is, I don't want to really get into that point. But the point I do want to get into is the depopulation, the global depopulation plan that's in effect. And that plan is in effect because it's a major sacrifice. You know, when you see all of these 
different people dying off, and we're told that they're natural disasters, and we're told that uh, whether it's natural disasters or not, the fact is if there is an element of someone who's manipulating nature to undergo these different changes, then essentially these things are done specifically for a sacrifice and to depopulate the planet during that sacrifice because there was a book I came across and I can't remember the name. As soon as I remember it, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell I'm I'm gonna put it up in the public so everybody could go see it. But it was a book where a priest was talking to a Hogun was talking to uh, Baron Samedi or Baron Criminal, which is one of the different, which is one of the um, the Voodoo deities who uh, deal with death, uh, so to speak. And uh, pretty much the priest asked him, you know, how do you become a mortal? And uh, he said you'd have to see Belzebub for that issue because Belzebub's in charge of that specifically. Uh, this is the way the book is terming this experience that this whole gun had with an actual deity that came through. And he told them that. He said, uh, you know, Constantine is immortal. I'm not vouching for the truth of this or not. I'm just simply stating what the book says. It says that Constantine was is immortal because he killed so many people. He offered so many, you know, sacrifices and bodies to hell. Now, he also went on to say that the planets... Even in this book that this deity told to the actual Hogun priest, he said that the planet is overpopulated. A lot of people don't realize that all of these different, you know, uh, uh, elites that are talked about are heavily into the sciences and understand the signs of the time. And the fact is what we see taking place before us is a major depopulation and all of these pretty much are just sacrifices to negative spirit forces so that the rain can continue. This is why I just wanted to say that to put the foundation to why it's so important for us to build somewhere so that we can ascend. You know, I'm not just talking about let's make an eco city so that we can just, uh, you know, we can live kumbaya. You know what I mean? The fact is, is that when I look at Delba Blair, when I look at Phil Valentine, when I hear what these people are saying, when I hear some of the things Savy said. When I look at all of the plethora of the people who are supposed to be conscious, there's enough to take on NASA, the NSA, and whoever else that has the, the top scientists behind them. You know what I mean? Because I'm saying let's build the eco-city so we can get to an ascension point, a point where in which we truly hone and bring out the actual, you know, superhuman powers that lies latent in us. And it is my conviction through research that it can't be done in the current environments. There's no way because too much science has been put into suppressing those very things, from the food to the TV to all of these different things that we pretty much involve ourselves in. It takes away from the divinity, for lack of better words. So essentially, when I speak of an eco-city, I'm coming from the angle of regrouping. Every time during a war, uh, which we've never came out of during colonial periods, you have to build some. You have to retreat. You have to build some kind of fort, something to sustain yourself with. If not, you know, then everybody is going to end up like the Book of Eli unless those who are qualified link together and start putting the blueprints out so we can reach an ascension point. You know, I don't really see I don't really see it as, you know, there's going to be a time where everybody's going to magically bust in to who their true selves is. I think that when we approach it technically and logistically, 
is something that we got to actually plan for so that we could really truly ascend. Hello? Christian and I don't rock with Jesus, but I don't uh, that don't that don't that don't take away from the fact that whether it's internal or external, that's a force to be reckoned with. Because uh, you know, if you look at what happened in Haiti, you know, ninety eight percent of the island is Catholic. Now that's the, now that you touch on the mundane aspect of it, the day to day regiment, the mundane that has to be taking place is the fact of people's state of mind has to be in proper order. Because what you're looking at is getting out of a system, essentially, to build you, not to build, you know, something that's uh, something that's going to be subject to another nation and another government. The fact is, is that it's time for us to come into our own. It's time for us to tap in to that new energy that exists within us, and we won't be able to do it if we subject, you know, the pe- some people who do, some people who do. You know what I mean? Who who did survive based on those different things? You know what I'm saying? It, it it you know whatever that's coming from, they survive for a reason. But we all gotta die at some point. Maybe not now, but maybe later. The fact is though is that essentially to make a move so that we could be in a situation where in which we could start solving each of the mundane problems, we're gonna have to strip the layers away and deal with the technicalities of it. The, the order of the day, which is still the order of the day and was the order of yesterday and the future, is nationality. People mistake nationality because they don't truly understand what it is. It is the expression of your culture, of a people's culture. 
It is the global demonstration of a people's culture. Within your culture, the reason why I listed those 16 different things is because within the culture of a people, you're going to find their ethereal signs. You know, I had a, I had a conversation with a lawyer, a Jewish lawyer one time, and we were going back and forth on the origin of law. And he essentially said that a, a nation's or a country's law is going to be based after their religion. So when you factor in the fact that if we're going to build something that the ancestors or even tap into the different solutions that we need to, we can't honor them when we honor who conquered them. You see what I'm saying? State of mind-wise, if you have your own nation, your nation is going to have its own ethereal science because that's really what it is, whether we want to call it religion, philosophy, theology. These are ethereal sciences. Your ethereal sciences is going to determine what your laws will be based upon, Whether because we, we're doing this show later on about polyandry, polygamy, and so on and so forth. When you, there, there's a clip we got up on the, show, on the site where it talks about the Christian nations are not going to outlast the Islamic nations based on the fact that it's in their culture to have one wife. So we got to look into those things because they're not reproducing babies enough or fast yeah. enough to even keep on track with the rest of the world. Then you look into the fact that the law is going to determine the politics. The politics is how things are governed. That's the policies of things. What is it going to be based on? Then you start talking about protecting and defending what it is that you are trying to build because the fact is if you build something and somebody can take it and tear it down in two seconds, it doesn't make any sense to build it if you're not going to do it with security. You know what I'm saying? Then we move into the level of commerce, which is the intermediate exchange of all energy, all aspects of things. Commerce is a spiritual uh, action that's taking place. It's a spiritual contract. When people go out there and sign their signatures on things and make these agreements, they're making agreements that they are bound to. There's a reason why these words are used because the words that are used when you're doing contracts is being bound by these terms and conditions. So the fact is is that the people have to get into the proper state of mind and understand that the status and position that they're in doesn't allow them to make the necessary moves for the future and long term as being subjects of 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 of, of uh, colonial nations, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So the aspect that I'm talking about specifically when you talk about applying certain things is the fact that people, in, from my research, understanding, 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 and so on and so forth, that people have to come out of the beast. They have to come out of the, the this this hodgepodge of BS, essentially and start to actually get their mind in order, dissolve any relations and contractual obligations with anything that conquered their ancestors and conquered them and places them in subjection. Because you can't make the certain move. There's a, there's a whole amount of, there's an international movement right now for indigenous people, for eco-solutions, or all of these different things. But you won't be able to tap into them properly unless you're in the status and the position and have the know-how to start going in that direction. You see what I'm saying? We've uh, we've uh, we, we've we've received correspondences from foreign governments and nations and different things like that 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 is definitely willing to have a, a safe haven or eco city uh, within their you know commercial territorial borders. However. 
you know, these things can't come to be about until essentially the world knows that the North American Moors are the nobility of the planet, male and female. And it's not until we come into our own completely that we're going to understand the moves we need to make. We can't make moves as Christians. I mean, essentially, we cannot. I don't care what it is, because when we dig into the law of it, when we dig into the legalese of it, and we get into the treaties of it, Treaty of Granada, we can even go back farther than that. The, the, the Catholic Church only had jurisdiction, and the European nations only had jurisdiction over baptized Moors. So when you get baptized, you come under the power of another nation, of another religion, of another people, and you take on their state of mind. It was the same thing that happened to the Candace Queens of Ethiopia. They had got baptized, and that's how the wealth ended up and translated into the Catholic Church's hand at that point as well with the Romans. The fact is, is that when we talk about survival, number one, we're talking about getting out of the inner cities, because survival in the inner city is almost impossible. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying people won't survive, but the fact is, is being in the inner cities is going to crowd you. There's a flood coming, tornado, earthquake, whatever the case may be, you're not going to be able to use your car to get away. You're not going to be able to just walk the streets because everything will be in chaos. The fact is decentralizing and getting into the open playing fields and building communities because the fact is there's too much talent amongst our people with construction, with science, and all of these different things to not move in that direction. In order to get on that road, the state of mind got to be uh, uh, put in order. Then comes the coming out of her, my people, as it's called, where people are dissolving, terminating, I don't care whatever word you want to use, but legally and technically we use dissolve, terminate those contracts, because if you get out here thinking you're going to make big moves like that, they're not going to let you because you don't have the status. I know because I already tried. I know because I know a lot of other people that try. You know, you can't, certain moves can't be made as a U.S. citizen. You know, and because that's a major thing blocking a lot of people's understanding of what moves need to be made, that's holding things up on a collective level for my observation, research, and study as well. You know what I'm saying? One of the things that we try to do with the Noon Project is to get people states of mind in order with the ethereal science called the Noon Science, which is what the Noon Project is based off of. And it's based off of using uh, pure reason and science to come up with the solutions that we need. There's only two powerful forms of reason out there. That's solution reason and creation reason. And it is in our creativity that we'll find the solutions we need to have. You see what I'm saying? Uh, when you dig into the fact that people have to go to the, to the, to the, you know, to the, to out into nature and away from the inner cities, you know, there's certain things you got to factor in. You don't want to be on the coastline, either way you put it, because the coastlines are going to get ripped apart, whether from volcanoes, tornado, whatever the case may be. You know, there's a uh, FEMA put out a long list of everything you should plan for in case of an event or a disaster. You see what I'm saying now? We know for a fact that there's already technology that was already grafted from Aboriginal indigenous peoples 
based on the monolithic dome structures, which has been proven to survive earthquakes, survive Hurricane Katrina, Andrew, so on and so forth. You see windstorms, solar storms, even bullets. You see what I'm saying? So when you talk about the securing aspect of it, you have to get into the fact that, okay, in order to secure what I'm doing, you should be building something that's going to be naturally secure. That's what monolithic domes are. Now, the funny thing is, those things can't even be built uh, plentifully in the U.S. because the real estate market hasn't caught up to that because you can't find someone who will appraise one of those. You can't get an appraisal, then that means you can't get the loan for it because there's not an appraiser who will come out and appraise a lot of these new solutions that are on the table uh, for that people are using. They're using them to build prisons now, too. You know, so if you're praying... You know, or, 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 or how like those people, those prisoners in Haiti, that earthquake allowed them to escape. That's not going to happen with the U.S. because the U.S. is building new prisons out of monolithic domes. You know, then you also got earthships, things like that. You know, there's, there, I, I try to stay away from the individual state of mind, where I'm going to get mines and I'm going to go here and do this because if there's 50 zombies, 50 Blackwater agents or whatever, I'm not going to be equipped to deal with whatever situation by myself. This is where nation building comes in, you know, and it, it takes a certain amount of people, which I call the nobility, because only they will uh, have the ability to listen to reason to say we need to get together and go in this direction and make something happen. I've heard people say that, well, we don't want all the conscious people in one vicinity because, you know, they can get us all at the same time. You know, where there's strength, there's numbers, and the strength is in numbers is in unity. So wherever we're at, you know, I say that the best of us have to get together and make that happen. I'm already making plans and, and different things in that direction, and the people that, uh, you know, has teamed up with me as far as the Aboriginal Law Institute, and, you know, we out there reaching out to whoever is thinking on that wavelength and frequency. But essentially, you know, those are some of the technical things that would have to be dealt with from the aspect that I'm talking about, at least with uh, building the eco-city or, or even the eco-village, which is much smaller in scale, you know. And, you know, that's just pretty much the angle that I'm coming from with it uh, in order to clarify some of the mun things that have to be addressed first, you know what I'm saying, before people can start taking the steps towards moving in that direction that I would say would be, you know, proper assessment. Powerful, powerful. Now, I know you was talking about a location that you had upstate where people could quite kind of get orientated towards living in an environment where you know homes will be built. Yeah, and there's a there's a brother, there's an elder. Excuse me, there's an elder named uh, Amanuel Bay. Um, I was introduced to him when I went to the United Nations uh, in uh, 2008 and made a presentation on the Noon Project and somebody gave me his number to get in contact with him. Now, from my understanding, he's had this property for over 25 years and it's 250 acres. He's the man that's responsible for the Ithaca Eco Village uh, that's actually flourishing right now in Ithaca, New York, and they just exist on 175 acres and they have an international currency, as well as the fact of, um, you know, I actually took a personal visit up there 
And, uh, you know, he told me straight up that, um, you know, he's looking to deal with people who can bring something to the table because I guess, you know, he's been sitting on his property for 25 years, over 25 years. And, uh, you know, he planned on building at least 50 dome homes, and he's uh, planning on starting a solar a solar, uh, a solar company, a, a, a solar energy company. So uh, we, about two years ago, I think a year ago, I'm, I think it was two years ago, put on a, a, a um, uh, not necessarily a lecture, but a presentation where I brought him out. And uh, pretty much, you know, nobody showed up, but that's not the point I was making. The point I was making was the fact that he came down so that he could, start forming, we could start forming some kind of thing where, you know, people would come up and see the land and see if they, you know, want to participate, you know what I'm saying, in actually building this. Now, he was taking a certain portion of his land, you know what I'm saying, that he worked hard to get. He wasn't talking about charging nobody rent, none of that. He just bring your resources, bring your money, your pennies and nickels, bring your labor, bring your intellect, bring your energy. Whatever it is that you can offer a value, you know, he was a, he was cool with it. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I haven't been in touch with him as of lately because we didn't have any project schedule where, you know, I would take a group of people up there. But from, you know, what I know from him, it's always open. You know what I'm saying? It's definitely always open. So we're proposing this tonight. If we get 20 individuals that are willing to go, you know what I'm saying, we will actually tape this and make it a documentary. We're going to go up there because the time necessitates it. You know, maybe he was before his time because people didn't see the necessity for it. I think that we've arrived at a time where people will entertain the, the notion of having an option. And I know that there are people out there that are willing to make these particular moves. So if you want to give them the email, and if they're serious, then we'll correspond. And, um... Yeah schedule something, schedule a trip to go out there and we can film it. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And have the whole world see what the capabilities are right above them because there's nothing but land available right upstate New York. Right. right. Also, also one of the things that he took into account was, you know, after the pole coming to the pole shift, all of the different earth changes, you know, that, the particular property that he's on right now would be beachfront property, you know. So he took a lot of it was a lot of consideration he took into you know moving to the location that he's at. You know what I'm saying for my conversations uh, with him. So you know all of these different things have to definitely be factored in. But yeah, you know I'm with that. You know if the people you know if it's if it's cool then I'm, I'm with it. You know what I'm saying I don't have a problem with that. I mean you know that's what I live for. You know trying to get these eco solutions going. You know, I definitely know I got a proposal for him. Well, just to give the, peace. the um, peace, peace, everybody. I don't mean to just burst in like that. Peace. What's up, family? Peace. Right. Hakeem, you still there? Well, then, yeah. Well, um, just to let the family know that visually we're working on the same thing that we're doing right now in this presentation. We're going to make it visual because when you truly see the vision that this brother has, I mean, it's dynamic over the phone explaining it, but the actual visual, the visualization of this project is something that you've never seen before. You understand? And 
we are magical people and we are the gods and the goddesses. So we can envision something and make it materialize, especially in the quickening. So we're talking about getting serious about projects like this and seeing it done in about a year straight, a year. You know what I mean? mean? Mexicans put up buildings around my way in a few months. Well, let me say, let me just add this piece to it. When you're talking about building monolithic domes, it only takes a week to build them. It only takes, infrastructurally, infrastructurally, it takes a week to build them, and that's depending on the size and how many people. Let's say you want to build, a, 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 number one, if you build a dome, now, just real quick, building circular is in something that we've always done. You can go to the many different aboriginal villages uh, and see that we built in circles, and the circle was nature's perfect shape. So the science of living in the dome is indeed in line with what the ancestors did because it's nature's perfect shape. And secondly, it's one of the features that causes it to be so resilient in the wake of natural disasters and man-made disasters, and it only takes maximum of a week. Now, I've been in contact with the man who, uh, 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 he's the one. he's the one in Italy, Texas, that actually shows you how to build them, so on and so forth. But right now, we got brothers on our team at the Aboriginal Law Institute that has already, you know, taken that journey, learned how to build domes. We got about five of them, and, you know, they're all ready to go. So it only takes seven days. And then another thing is if people can't get out of the concept of paying bills, like light bill, water bill, they got gray, it's gray water systems that you can incorporate into this that where you can get your drinking water, your your sewage, your you know, your toilet water, everything you need from rainwater. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that system is not expensive to install as well. And a dome actually takes about ten thousand dollars to build. You know what I'm saying? So essentially when you when we dig into this, it would be a whole lot easier for us to go in this direction of things than to go into the direction of uh, you know, trying to buy homes and, and, and trying to take over the real estate market, all of these different things about energy is yeah. wasted in, it would be best for us to go in the direction of going eco and building domes and earthships and utilizing solar technology, wind technology, so on and so forth. Now, I've yeah, been... I would, say, yeah. I, I'm saying, I would say this to all of my real estate moguls out there who did it, you know, who did their thing in the 2000 to 2010 decade, this is the upgrade. You understand? If you was out there flipping cribs, this is your upgrade. This is what it is right here. It's the eco, on um, the eco movement. So go, back. Go, go ahead. I don't want to cut you now. No, no, that's cool. Uh, what, one of the things is, too, that uh, when you factor in, you know, the cost of living uh, in the dome, you know, you're virtually going. You're not going to have to pay for heat or warm or or, or uh, air conditioning because it keeps a medium natural temperature based on the structure of it being circular. So there has to be, like I said again, a state of mind uh, assessment and change to whereas people can actually see that it is better to live the way we used to live which is in harmony with nature as opposed to trying to be, uh, you know, like we're living in the, the matrix. We, we literally are, but, I mean, it's time to get out of that. You see what I'm saying? Because the fact is the technology exists for us to be able to do these things already. I mean, even when you look into the earth ship, 
uh, uh, mechanisms of how they build. They're building fortified homes that could sustain natural disasters and uh, 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 man-made disasters from building with tires, dirt, and cans. And to even and to even implant in our people's minds to even make this more of a grandeur project to truly show the world who the true nobility is, we export this project to Haiti. You understand? We have a we 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 go corporation versus corporations. We challenge them with their bids and whatnot. Real talk, because that's the game that they're gonna play over there. You're gonna see Iraq Part Two happen over there with Kellogg's and all of them, um, Halliburton, Black, all of the private contractors are going to take over. You know what I'm saying? And we need to go over there and build some domes for our people. Well, you know, we the, interesting the, one. Thing is, the interesting thing is, too, we got a plan and a project like that underway for the spring. Uh, you know what I mean? Is it, what actually going there and setting up, you know, certain uh, eco-villages. Because the thing is, is that, you know, Port-au-Prince is one city in Haiti. That's not the whole country. You know what I'm saying? And the second thing is, too, they were actually building domes and eco-shells in Haiti, but the people didn't like them. They, they, you know, so I personally spoke to the guy from Italy, Texas, and this existed prior to the devastation. You know what I'm saying? They, yeah. they, you know, they was over there building domes, and they didn't like them. You know what I mean? So that's just an oxymoron in and of itself. The other thing, too, is all of the rubble, all of the different things, that all of the buildings, all of the streets and the roads that's destroyed, all of that rubble is actually the very same material that could be used to and recycled to rebuild mm-hmm. that whole entire nation. You know, so definitely, you know, and 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 the eco solutions go very very far, broad and wide. Even when you start tapping in to the fact of uh, uh, hemp production and all of the different things in history that was made from him, and the fact that, you know, that's one of the things, too. Uh, when I did speak to Amin Newell Bay, and I went and sat with him, one of the first things he told me is don't think you're going to uh, be able to solve the problem without marijuana because if there's a global warming issue, that could solve it. You know, so the the, the whole eco-movement from what we've seen is the fact that to be able to take the dirt or the nothing from nature and convert it to something that's going to be beneficial and in harmony with nature. So it's a philosophy in the state of mind that they're tapping into from our ancient ancestors, uh, uh, foremothers and forefathers, that we clearly are not tapping into. You know, when you go to places like Haiti, Port-au-Prince, any third-world country, and you see how they live in, you know, uh, you have to say to yourself that there's a state of mind issue with these people because if the Albians can take nothing and turn it into something using the very same sciences they've seen us utilize, then there's no reason why we shouldn't be doing that ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yo, what's, what's messing with this, that the eco-economy is what's keeping California alive. Precisely. You know, yeah. they're hanging on by they, one leg. The green movement is marijuana right now, the legalized marijuana. Right. You know, now, more... Morals in their proper status and their proper, you know, in their proper, you know, their proper status wouldn't need a license to do that. However, when you're doing business through entities, it's very conducive. When it's, it's legal in 14 states now, and it's, you know, you know, 
the the religious restoration, the religious freedoms, the 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 uh, you know the national freedoms and the com the commercial freedoms of company freedoms that could go along with implementing these things, you know, it could definitely be done easily, uh, especially by Moors. You know, um, there was a, a water project that uh, we was to talk to a Morocco about, as far as uh, provide eco solutions for them as well as Liberia. So, you know, but a lot of these things can't get kicked off until they see the body of Moors here, you know, collectively on that wavelength going in that direction and making those different things happen. That's why, you know, the the upstate project was so beneficial at the time, you know what I mean? Maybe it still is, but the fact is it would have been a pilot program, something we could have taken and shown the world, like, look, this is what we did, this is what we can do. You know, like I said, Ithaca, Ithaca Eco Village, they only got 175 acres, and they have their own international currency, as well as the fact that there's a, a country, a, a, a community, a township, actually, in North spell Carolina. So they could, um, spell that out so they could Google it. And I, I also want to say to the family that's listening that uh, we're going to be dropping some words and, and, and terms that uh, when you take this broadcast or you download it or whatnot, I encourage you to go Google and Wikipedia these words if you don't understand what they mean and also to get the visual the visual image of it also in case you've never seen it before. But go ahead. Yeah, definitely. You can check out the Dancing Rabbit. You can check out Ithaca Hours. That's the name of their currency. You could uh, actually just uh, type Ithaca. in yeah, I-T-H-A-C-A. Uh, you can actually look into uh, just Google up local and regional currencies. You see, so if we say that money is the reason that's stopping us from making these moves, then we, we you know, we fooling and kidding ourselves because, you know, now just technically North Carolina, a township municipality in North Carolina doesn't have the same status as the Federal Reserve. However, they're making their own currency. There's another one called Berkshire. Uh, oh, no, excuse me. Berkshires, B-E-R-K-S-H-A-R-E-S. And they have their own regional currency, and they're already doing business with the banks and their communities to actually change Federal Reserve notes for their local currency. You see what I'm saying? So, you know, the solutions are there for us to make that transition as a collective. You know what I'm saying? It's definitely there. Is it Brother Hakeem based on the line? Peace, Brother Hakeem. I think he was waiting for uh, 10 o'clock to come on. Brother Shyam got an hour to rock, and he got an hour. So I guess he'll, he's coming on at 10. But um, let's get back into this whole uh, this eco, this, the, the whole thing about the eco village and the independent currency. Yeah, now, well, you know, yeah, yeah. How practical would it be? I, I want to ask you another. I want to ask two questions. How practical would it be for our people to create our own currency? What will we back it with, right? And another question is: Do you have estimates on how much the black churches make every Sunday? Um, and, I was and watching only the in America. Yeah, I was watching uh, the state of uh, the state of the Black Union a few years ago. Somebody said it on. I think the number was two billion. I know they make forty billion a year, though. You know, so what every I'm saying? Sunday they make two billion. About you know, 
Now, now again, now again, you know, the Christianity. You know what I'm saying? Like when we, you know, when we want to talk about when we get into where's the money going, and if we have any money to make this transition, you already know where it's all going to. And like again, we can't factor out the depopulation. That's going to happen. That's going to happen. You know, ninety percent of the world's population. You know what I'm saying? That's uh, that's uh. That's uh, six billion now, so that'd be six hundred million people. That is going is uh, allegedly the projected amount of population that's supposed to exist after all of these different things or after those plans are carried out. Now, talked about it in Copenhagen. Precisely, about it. people got to um, research on Copenhagen. Precisely. You know, so when you talk about, when we talk about the practicality of it, the first thing that I could think of, the first thing that I could say is to dissolve, proclaim your nationality, effectuate your nationality, you know what I mean, demonstrate that with the moves you're making in order to, you know, get these specific things in place. The reason I say that is because if you try to make a move, at the level that we're talking about, then uh, you know you're gonna you're gonna they're gonna block you. You're not gonna you're not gonna be able to do it. A lot in the capacity that it's gonna be conducive for us. You know what I'm saying? Because there's things that exist legally and lawfully that block us from being able to make those different moves. The issue at hand is the practicality for us to start our own currency and to make our moves in that direction. You know, we're talking about government. You know, even though that's a township and a municipality, they still have governmental functions, and they're an instrumentality of a government. So the fact is is that we would have to get the qualified people who knows certain aspects and that deal with certain aspects. Like, if you deal with commerce, you know how to make money, you know how to make site drafts, you know how to make all these commercial instruments, you're supposed to holler at us or holler at whoever to put that in motion so that we can start having the different instruments to negotiate with to make these different things happen. Personally, I don't think it's possible in North America based on the real estate market and, and, and the different things logistically with uh, pricing, appraisals, so on and so forth um, in the U.S. In order to make a move like that, you would have to be in a status that wouldn't be subject to that because they're not going to let you build them. Even though you see some of these these monolithic domes being built, it's the federal government that's approving them on a on a on a project by project basis. You see what I'm saying? So you know, first, so logistically, you know, I don't even think it's suitable at this particular point in time, considering the state of mind of our people, and considering the state of mind of the politics and the, and and all of the different things that's underway. Or, uh, in this specific, uh, you know, landmass in North America, it, it, it just doesn't seem conducive, you know, for uh, from that perspective, uh, you know what I mean? So my thing I is, is in, that... Have mm-hmm. you been in touch with any other uh, governments or countries that are basically opening up the doors? I mean, pretty much every country, uh, especially the third world countries, are open to it. Like I said, we've been talking to Liberia, we were talking to uh, 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 Morocco, we've been talking to Brazil, we sit correspondence with them. Brazil has right now, they're going to uh, surpass China uh, in about, uh, I forgot how, I think it's about four months, is they're going to be the largest economy in the world. 
you know, sustainable economy, excuse me. You know what I'm saying? So there's a lot of different places. Also, Kenya, uh, you know what I mean? I got some things in the email from Kenya, you know, from people over there, certain things like that. It, you know, pretty much all of the African and uh, South American nations, especially European nations, though, Europe is far ahead of the whole world when it comes to actually implementing a lot of these eco-solutions. But I would say South America and Africa should be the two main places where these different things are developed. Those places need it the most, and they have the most landmass available uh, for my uh, assessment. Even when I spoke to Manu, he said that he would rather do it in Brazil because, uh, or South America because of the lungs of the planet. You know what I mean? That's 30% of the world's rainforest and 30% of the world's biodiversity. You see what I'm saying? So, you know, as far as other places, those are the places we've been looking into, as well as Haiti. You know, uh, there's a real good opportunity to even present the fact that him, you know, Haiti got a tree problem. They cut down most of the trees. So hemp could solve that. You know what I mean? And I think that the very first project that we do implement is going to be with Haiti because that will give the whole entire world an outlook they've never seen before. Considering the fact that, you know, everything on this side of the uh, hemisphere popped off first on that island. You know what I'm saying? So those are some of the things we take into consideration, definitely. Definitely. I want you to give people an email, you know what I'm saying? We ask those that are serious about taking this trip upstate, you know what I'm saying, to see this, this portion of land that the brother has upstate and the possibilities you know what I mean, that the, that the land has within it, you feel me? So if you're serious about making this trip, make sure that you send your information to this particular email address. Definitely. You you can send it to uh, T-H-E-N-O-O-N-E project at gmail.com. And you could also you could also come to the aboriginallawinstitute.org and sign up for it, and sign up for the Noon Project group, and we got a whole a lot more information available on that specific project and eco projects in general. So you know, definitely, you know, if anybody's serious, definitely get a you know send that email through. Yes, indeed. All right. So I appreciate you, brother. Just, just very, very, very briefly share with the people because you actually touched down. You know what I'm saying? In Brazil, and you can attest to not just saying this is something that you might want to do, but from, you know, surveying the environment, let the people know what your analysis of that trip was. Well, you know, it's uh, it's definitely uh, something that I think a lot of our people should go check out when they get the opportunity if they're serious. You know, that's uh, land-wise, I would have to say if, if, if Africa is the mother, then, you know, South America's the daughter. And, uh, you know, the land is lush there. There's a lot of us down there, you know what I'm saying? Uh, actually, there's more of us down there than up here, as well as the fact that they're going through a consciousness awakening like we were going through in the 60s, you know what I'm saying, uh, throughout the whole South America, you know what I'm saying? So that's something that definitely should be, should be taken into account. Uh, from the observation that I've had, you know, it's, uh, you know, whatever, you know, morals that our people are at, you know, we're, we're always going to exude the same characteristics. But it's a place that uh, I, th I say that the thing is, 
the difference is that North America, us up here, we've suffered from too many leaders to say that they haven't had enough. See what I'm saying? So it's real ripe and open right now to make moves commercially and a whole lot of other venues down there. You know what I'm saying? A whole lot of opportunity because uh, that, con- that economy is on the rise, definitely. You know what I'm saying? So I appreciate the I appreciate it though, brothers, because I gotta jump on uh, jump on another call, uh, jump on the you know the ALI radio show and get going with that. Yeah. So I appreciate Tell you, brothers, having me on. Tell them about your show so they know, because you oh, are I'm damn near every night dropping that wisdom. I mean, yeah, we on from Monday to Friday. You know what I mean? Uh, you could go to Ali Radio or ALF Radio on Blog Talk, and uh, you know we do it from 10 p.m. to 12 a.m every uh, Monday to Friday, and we get into strictly commerce and jurisprudence and all of the different things around in that and how it affects those different things. Tonight, we're going to be getting into, you know, whether polygamy, polyandry, polyamory, so on and so forth, you know, what's going to be suitable solution-wise to rebuild the Moore's family. So, you know, I appreciate it, definitely. Um, hope this ain't the last time, and, uh, you know, we got some more things coming out the woodworks for y'all. You know, definitely you thanks know. for having me on. All right? Yeah, peace, God. Peace, peace. Brother. Peace. Peace. Uh, brother, is Brother Hakeem on? I don't see the um, hand raised on that particular number. Call okay. it with number 646-245. You are on the air. This brother Hakeem Bay face. It's long. Nah, the brother ain't on yet. Alright, well if anybody has any questions. Please, can you hear me? Uh, hey, yeah, they're they asking for you right now. Alright, it's long. Could, could everyone hear me? Yes, yes sir. Alright, alright, it's long. I just want to make sure. Please I had it on. Uh, I had my phone on mute as I was listening, and um, you know, I I I love that brother spirit who was just on, you know, with the Noon Project, and you know, th- this is the type of spirit that we need. Um, what I wanted to do first of all, I just wanted to touch on um some current events things that's going on, and just give a whole, you know, a general overview, a picture of the of the of the uh, what they say is the big picture you know, so that people could, you know, see and understand everything in the proper context. There's, there's a lot of things going on right now. And, um, you know, the main thing is to, the main thing is to tune in with the divine. That's the key right now for each and every person to tune in with their own higher self, what, 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 what people have referred to as God um, through, through the ages or gods or deities or, 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 or different spirits or, you know, whatever or Risha, whatever whatever name they have gone by, the bottom line is self. The bottom line is you, brothers and sisters. You yourself, I self Lord and Master, you are the center of your universe. And we are reaching a time now. The time we're coming into now, this is this is what they what is known as the maturity of man. You know, um Prophet Nobudwali mentioned and and the book he put out the Holy Quran and the Moorish Science Temple of America, and then he mentioned something very powerful, and this is coming from the second chapter, and this is the uh, 12th verse here. 
and let me just read it to you because just to put everything in, in a sort of context because there's a lot of things going on, but if you don't understand the proper context, you know, you could miss the forest for the trees type of situation. He said here in the second in the second chapter, the 12th verse, he says, and speaking about us and our ancestors, he says, we measure time by cycle ages. In the gate to every age, we deem a milestone in the journey of the race. An age has passed. The gate unto another age flies open at the age touch of time. This is the preparation age of soul, the kingdom of Emmanuel, of Allah or God and man. And so that is very deep because just to put everything in the context, it's saying that the age we're coming into now is the age of Emmanuel. Emmanuel meaning God and man. And this is the maturity of man. In the past, we've, we've passed through different phases, and they, they refer to this in social scientists as Hegelian dialectic, which talks about first you have a thesis, then you have an antithesis or antithesis, and then you have a synthesis. And so the first thesis in terms of social science and religion, so on and so forth, is what they refer to as polytheism or many gods and many spirits where, where, where we see the divine in everything, the trees, nature, birds, animals, so on and so forth. And this is referred to as polytheism. Also, we, what we did was the different uh, forces of nature, we personified them and we gave them personalities, and this is where you get the mythologies from because it was easy to, it was easier to relate to a personality than to an abstract concept for, uh, regarding certain energies and principles of the universe. And so we, what we did was symbolize or personify these energies, and then in the mythologies you had the God of fire, you had the God of this and so on and so forth. And when we seen in the mythologies the interaction between these different gods in the mythology, we understood the interaction of these different forces and principles within the universe. So this was the first stage, the first phase, which was known as polytheism, poly meaning many, and theism meaning God or the divine, many gods. Next phase, so that was the thesis. And remember, you have thesis, antithesis, and synthesis, which is the combination of the two into a new form. All right, so the thesis, you have polytheism. Next, you had what is known as monotheism. Right, mono meaning one, theism meaning God, so one God, and where so at, in this phase of, of of our development, we combined all of the different gods into one, and that one and all the different gods became different attributes of that one God, and this was a very important phase. Now some may look back. And it's, it's important in looking at this whole picture because as each phase comes in, it looks down upon and puts down the preceding phase, which was necessary in its time because in order for it to come about, in a, in a, time, in a time when monotheism was trying to get a foothold and come about, polytheism was well established all throughout the world. And so the only way that it would be able to come about and gain any type of foothold in terms of this particular phase, it had to put down, it had to point out all the faults 
and put down critically the preceding phase, the polytheistic phase. And so this is why when you look at in terms of the so-called Judeo-Christian Islamic tradition, it constantly is putting down the polytheists. The worst thing on the earth was the polytheists, you know, you worshiping stones and statues and this and that, and that and really just coming down on them, you know. Now, we here in this time looking back at that, you know, many of the ones who got into Afrocentricity and traditional religion now uh, feel very upset about that, uh, upset about what happened in terms of the Judeo-Christian Islamic tradition putting down those ancient traditional religious ways, and, and, and it never totally eradicated it. What it really did was absorb it, all right? It never really eradicated it. All it did was absor absorb it and rename it, all right? So this is why, you know, even though many converted into Islam and Judaism and so on and so forth, like when you look even in Africa, some of the earliest kingdoms were Judaic. You know, when you trace uh, back, when they talk about some of the early kings of Ghana, you know, tracing their lineage back to King David and so on and so forth, and then you have the Islamic phase come in there, and then later you have the, um, you, you just you have the Christian phase come in, in there in many of these lands, and then you have the Islamic phase come in where it was putting down the preceding age, and so you so you had the you had the, the thesis which was the polytheistic phase. You had the anti-thesis, which is the monotheism, the Judeo-Christian Islamic tradition, and now we in the age of the synthesis. We are the ones who post the tear away, tear away the veil of all these different gods, or even the one God, and understand what this thing is really all about. It's really all about you. It's really all about you. In this last day, man is going to come to find out that all that was... See, we was taught in, 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 in that God created man in his own image. But in reality, man created God in his own image or imagination. Image, imagination. In other words, as man's concept of God evolved, so did his God to match that concept. You see what I'm saying? So really, this evolution boils down. It's really about you. Looking in the mirror, you are the God of your universe. You are the center of your universe. How you perceive the universe, that's what the universe will be for you. If you perceive the universe to be a hostile, mean, unfair place, then your universe will be exactly that. All right? Now's the time for us to realize who we truly are, that we are making this. There was a book put out called... Um, the holographic universe, and it talks about um, a quantum physics. And I'm doing all this to put all this in context because I'm going to get into the whole survival piece, but just to jump in there and talk about this happening and that happening and surviving off of this and, and all, you know, it won't make sense unless it's all put in the proper context of what's really going on here. Um, in the book Holographic Universe, it talks about the quantum physicist and how what they found out was that they study these subatomic particles, quarks, neutrinos, and so on and so forth. And what they found out was something very curious. They found that these particles behaved in this laboratory based on the preconceived notions of the scientists who were studying them. 
In other words, so in, they came to the question, are we discovering these particles or are we creating these particles? And right there, they stopped. They didn't want to go no further because they realized that at, at that point in terms of quantum physics that they were crossing the line, the so-called line between religion and science, that which they prided themselves on, you know, they said about our ancestors in the polytheistic stage that, um, oh, they combined religion and science. There was no separation between religion and science. You know, so it was us, you know, beginning with the ancient Greeks, you know, so-called Greeks, that we began to separate and extricate science from religion. But now, come a full circle, now with quantum physics, they find themselves coming full circle right back to the same thing. And so they don't want to address those questions in quantum physics. What they see is, they, what they have found in quantum physics is a model that explains things but the questions that it raises, they don't even want to get into that. They don't even want to go there. And so the question becomes now in terms of, of and then I, just to give another example, um, and just to show you the power of the human mind and just the power that you have of just observation, of just observing a thing, just by you observing a thing, you change the very nature of that thing. We think the eyes. We think of the eyes in terms of being the windows of the soul. Now, 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 it's been said that the eyes are the windows of the soul, and so, but we we think in terms of it as a one-way window, which is information images coming in that window and then into the brain. But think about a window. A window works both ways. Things come, you know, images come out, and things and the opposite is true too. So now, instead of understanding in terms of the eyes, you just seeing things, the images just coming in, you got to understand that something leaves the mind through the eyes into the outer world and affects the outer world. Just to give you an example, light. The scientists are intrigued about the situation of light because when we observe light, it behaves like a particle. But yet, when we don't observe light, it behaves like a wave. So it's like imagine you in a bowling alley, and you roll the ball down the, down the bowling alley, and as it's rolling down, it looks like a ball. You turn your back, and it becomes a wave. Just the fact of you observing the thing changes the nature of the thing. All right, so now let's go back. So now in the book, they mentioned another thing. They said, so wait a minute. Is the man walking on the beach, or is he laying out the beach in front of him as he walks along? And so this is the age of the maturity of man where we really began to realize who we truly are. So this is the age of the synthesis. This is the age where we don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. We see the good of the polytheistic phase. We see the good of the monotheistic phase. We also see the false of each you know, because of the, some of the things that it done, you know, at his time. In his time, it was good, but now we can look back. Like they say, hindsight is twenty twenty, and we can see these things. So now we have to understand that we're coming into a whole nother phase of existence right now, a whole, nother, a whole new civilization. This civilization that we are in right now is really on, in its last legs. It's in its very last legs right now. And um, this civilization 
after the Industrial Revolution made a couple of wrong turns. Um, one of the major wrong turns that it made was dealing with the science of the ethers. And this is something that uh, Prophet Noble Juali also referred to in the Holy Quran of the More Science Temple of America. See, in that book, it's a very small pamphlet, but in that book, he dropped a lot of jewels. That, that book is, is the equivalent of what we call in, com in computer technology a zip file or a compressed file. Very small in size, it's compressed. But when you decompress it, when you unzip it, you'll find all kinds of things in there. All right? Now, in that book, he mentions in there, he says that man is a thought of Allah. All thoughts of Allah are infinite. They are not measured up by time. For things that are concerned with time begin and end. The thoughts of Allah are everlasting. It says, but man, like every thought of Allah, was but a seed, a seed that held within itself the potency of Allah, or some may say God, just as the seed of any plant of earth holds deep within itself the attributes of every part of that special plant. This is very important because, in other words, what it's saying here, if we are seeds of Allah, we are seeds of God, that means that we are entities like a seed that holds all the potentialities of that ultimate being in a potential state, and it has to be unfolding, all right? So just the way I can hold the acorn in my hand, that, that, I might as well say I'm holding a, a, a massive oak tree in my hand because that acorn has all the potencies, all the potential to be a full-grown oak tree. The only thing is, like it says here, further on he says, now seeds are perfect, yeah, as perfect as the source from which they came, come, but they are not unfolded into life made manifest. The child is as perfect as the mother is, so man, the seed must be planted, must be deep planted in a soil that he might grow, unfold, as does the bud unfold to sow the flower. All right? So we are all seeds of God and have the full potential to grow into that of which we are the seed of. The key thing is that we have to be planted in the proper soil. The soil is symbolic of the social economic environment in which you live, in which you come up in, all right? This society and the social economic environment that we are, are, are planted in right now is not conducive to our growth, all right? The same way if I took a seed, if I took that acorn and I put it in a nutrient-poor soil, this growth will be what? Stunted. And it would never grow to be a full-grown full oak tree, it may always remain what a sapling. It would never go to its fullest, and this is con this this is the condition that we find ourselves in today. We have all the potential right now to grow to be full-fledged God, but we are in a society that is not that doesn't provide the nutrients. It doesn't provide the environment that we need to grow to our fullest. All right. And so this is the change that, that, that has to come about, that, that is about to come, all right? And so what's going on right now in terms of this earth, in terms of the sun, in terms of the solar system, in terms of all these things that's going on right now, is that there's a major transformation that's about to take place. Within, within every cell of our body, we have what is known as DNA. 
and the portion of the DNA that they they once considered relevant, they referred to as genes. And but what they found, they found that out of your out of your whole DNA code, and the DNA is like a code, it's like a book. I spoke about this in the sixth or journal of the Morse Paradigm book that I wrote about this book, about this code. And it's literally laid out like in chapters and everything, with chapters, words, sentences, everything, literally laid out as a book. Now, what they found is that in this DNA code, this book, only 3 to 5% of it goes towards producing your phenotype, meaning you have your genotype and you have your phenotype. Your phenotype is the manifestation of your genotype, meaning that you have black hair, brown eyes, so on and so so forth. That's your phenotype. That's what you show forth. All right? Only 3 to 5% of that code goes towards that. The other 95, 97%, they refer to as junk DNA because they didn't understand what the purpose of it was. And to them, it was just repetitive, nonsense code, junk DNA. Come to find out that that which they refer to as junk DNA is literally a database. And stored in that database is all life of all creation, all dinosaurs, all everything. is all stored in that book. It's all stored in that database. And so literally this is the book of life referred to in the holy books and so on and so forth. It's within yourself. And so we're coming into an age now, people ask me to say, you are more, you know, what's your holy book? My holy book is self. That's the book filled with seven seals or seven chakras. It's within every cell of your body is that book of life, of everything. It's just a matter of how you tap into that. Just the same way we have an Internet that you log on with a username and password, the question is how do you log on to the Internet, the Internet that's within yourself, where all things, is, where all things exist. These are the things that we're going to begin to unlock now in this day and time. But certain things have to take place. The weeds have to be plucked from the garden. It's like you have a you, you have a bag full of seeds and you're ready to plant it in the in the garden. But the first thing you gotta do is pull up the weeds, you know, clear the garbage that's in there and debris and, and so on and so forth. That's the situation of this world now. It's like a garden filled with weeds and debris and garbage and landfill and all kinds of nonsense. You wouldn't plant your seeds in that the first thing you would do is what? Clean that up and then plant your seeds. First, you know, clean it up. You know, put the nutrients in the soil, make sure the soil is all proper. Then you plant your seed. And so this is what's happening right now with the earth. The earth is going to have to be cleaned up. The weeds are going to have to be plucked, you know, the, the, the uh, I should say, and, 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 and not discarded because we know many of the things that they call weeds is medicine. So... The weeds, you don't throw away. You use it for medicine. And you clear the debris, the garbage, and then you plant your seed. And this is what we're going through right now. And so that being said, you have this you have this code within your, your body, this DNA code. And this DNA code is controlled locally by our sun. You know, you have other things that affect and and and, and manipulate this, uh, this code, but the key controller and manipulator of this code is the sun, our local sun. Now, 
the local sun was symbolized, and I seen this one time in a dream, and it, it clicked. And this is where they got the Aten disc in ancient commit. I mean, you've seen a picture of the Aten disc with all these hands coming out from it. And I seen in a dream that the sun was the controller. It, it, the, all those hands coming out from the sun is like, like, like hands on a control panel, turning knobs within your DNA. This is why the scientists will tell you that uh, the sun radiation could mutate your genes, and we think mutate means something like mutant means something bad, or mutation means something bad. All mutation means that it has the ability to control it, to mutate, to change it, to transform it. And so the sun is literally a clock that follows cycles, 11 years, sunspot cycles, so on. It's a clock, and it has an alarm. It has an alarm built into it. And when that alarm goes off, certain things go off within your body. All right? We know, given the procession of equinox, that the Earth's tilt on a 23-and-a-half-degree axis, that it creates a, a 24,920-year cycle. And when you divide that cycle up into 12 pie slices, like taking a circle and dividing into 12 pie slices, each pie slice measures 2,160 years. And this is what's known as the age of man, all right? And age is why you heard the song in the 60s, the dawning of the age of Aquarius. This is what uh, Prophet Nobutrali spoke of in the Holy Quran and More Science Temple of America, that second chapter that we had just read. 12th verse where he says, we measure time by cycle ages, this 2,160-year age, and the gate to every age we deem a milestone in the journey of the race. And age has passed. The gate unto another age flies open at the age touch of time. This is the preparation age of soul, the kingdom of Emmanuel, of God and man, of Allah and man. All right, so we are coming into that age now. All right, the, the, the clock, the, the hand is turning. The wheels are turning. That wheel is spinning above our head every day. It's ticking. All right, and we're about to come into this new age. Our ancient Olmec ancestors marked it off in the Olmec calendar, which today they refer to as the Mayan or the Aztec calendar, but it was really invented by the ancient Olmecs, and they marked it off the year 2012. Now, the ancient Olmecs, they were masters of time calculation. They had the zero, and they were able to calculate vast astronomical cycles that the Europeans are just barely beginning to understand now. So believe me, when the ancient Olmec, our ancient Olmec ancestors said that something would take place in 2012, trust me, it will, because they were masters in time calculation. And you could you could see for yourself. I, I took astronomical software and advanced it to the to the time period of 2012, as I went to solstice. And they said that you will see, as a marker, you will see the planet Venus go across the diameter of the sun. And sure enough, when I advanced the astronomical software to that date, I seen Venus going right across the diameter of the sun. So trust me, what they were saying was right and exact that this marks the beginning of a new age. Not the destruction of every all life on planet Earth, but the transformation, the transition into a new age. And this is what we're about to come into now. So now, in terms of the sun, 
in the current solar cycle that we're in right now, there's a lot going on right now. The Earth's mag- magnetic, mag- what's called the magnetosphere, it's like a force field, a magnetic force field or, or, or shield that surrounds the Earth is down. It's almost totally depleted right now, which means right now, as I'm speaking, if the sun was to release a CME, coronal mass ejection, towards the Earth, there's nothing to protect the Earth. It will wipe out all electronics, all electricity on the planet Earth, we're talking about winds of 900 miles per hour on the surface. And the only thing that will survive will have to go below the surface. Now, there's been different uh, or hints, different jewels being dropped about something happening along those lines. I know myself from the time I was young, I used to look up at the sun, and I knew that something was going to happen involving our sun. I kept having a vision of this, of this bright light just happening, and it just engulfed everything on the earth, and, it, and the light was so bright, it almost had like a thickness to it. It almost had like a, uh, it's hard to even describe it, almost like a thickness to it, and just, I just seen this white light, just, it just engulfed everything. You couldn't even see nothing, and I don't know what happened on the other side of it. Now, there was a remote viewer by the name of Ed Dames who worked for the government, and he talked about something happening regarding the sun, but he would never go into too much detail about it, but he talked about some type of kill shot coming from the sun. Then recently, I seen the book of Eli, and they dropped a jewel in there. They dropped two jewels, one jewel dealing with the book and, and how you, it could be used for mass control, showing how the religion could be used for mass control, but the other jewel that Eli himself dropped, he said, they said that they said that the war caused it, and a hole was opened up in the in the sky, and the sun came down. Right there, he just dropped it. Right there, he just dropped a, ma- a major jewel. Right there, there's been a number of things taking place on the earth. There's a number of things taking place within ourselves. You have the chem- you, you have so many things. I, I can't even go into the details of all of it right now. You have the whole chemtrail phenomenon. Um, I've been speaking about this way back, even going to the days where when when I was up on the land with Brother Manu and them up there, and I used to point out to to, to them and say, "Look up!" And, and everyone's seen those those trails being made up in the skies. Well, there's a whole new aspect to it. There's also the phenomenon involving what's referred to as orbs, and I'm about to, you know, publish, you know, some research and things dealing with this whole thing and the connection with angels and so on in, in the whole nine yards, and dealing with this whole phenomenon, dealing with the um, the chemtrails. But come to find out now, and it's being revealed now, and you can see different clips on YouTube dealing with that, is that up to now, many people thought it was planes that were making these um these chemtrails. But if you look closely and if you look at some of the film footage that's coming out now, they're not planes. They're holograms. There's, there's something else projecting an image that they're planes. But they're not that. And it's, it gets deeper. It gets deeper into some other things. But suffice it to say, Moors and brothers and sisters, is that there's going to be a lot of things that's going to be taking place. The key thing to surviving 
what's going to take place and being of those who are destined to bring in a new civilization, to bring in the new world, the new civilization that must come about. They speak about it in Matrix. Remember the architect said there were many matrices before this one. Mm-hmm. See, the reset button is about to be pressed. It's like on a computer. You know, you could press the reset button and reboot. Well, this is what's about to happen. And remember they talked about certain ones being set aside who will be the progenitors of the new world. The key the key thing to getting yourself in that position to be of those, you know, otherwise you're just going to be recycled. You know, you're going to be of those that are recycled to be replenished, you know, in order to replenish. But to be of those, the key thing is to tune in to your divine self. Tune into yourself right now. And you will be at the right place at the right time. When the deal goes down, I've seen it many times in visions, many times in visions since I was young, they would come to my window in vehicles, and I would step out and go on board, and I would look down, and I've and I seen the destruction. And I've seen people running to and fro, and all kinds of destruction take, taking place. Just the other day, two days ago, I had a dream that there was an earthquake right here in New York City, and it was crazy. It looked, it looked like Haiti what took mm. place here, right here. And everybody was shocked because it took place here in New York City on bedrock. Imagine if that happened here on this bedrock. It was crazy. Suffice it to say, more that the key and is the tuning. Same, same yes. thing came to me, and it, it made me go do a video. Well, it made me do the research, and then I found it, and then it made me, I did the video. I'm about to drop it in the chat room. Mm. Where um, I showed that 125th Street sits on a vault line, a fault That's line. That's right. That's right. And they Morris. said that um, if there was a, if there was ever to be an earthquake, Manhattan was split in half. That's right. You know what I'm saying Manhattan the was key, and mainly Harlem was sink. So the key I is the tune in. Posting it right now. All right. The key is to tune into your divine self. Also, it's very important to get certain key survival skills under your belt. Um, I, I I posted I posted these books up there also. Um, I went and I used to study with uh brother Rashan who put out the wood tonic and go into the woods into the city here locally. And my thing was um not only just to study the herbs, the plants, and the trees locally right here where we live that could be used for survival. I mean, I went out here and I found many of the plants that you find in the health food stores. Just going wild right out here. Botanical gardens, I found burdock root, yellow dock, red clover. I mean, all the different things you read about and you buy in these stores, it just goes wild out here. And I learned about certain survival plants and certain survival tips. Now, what I want to do right now, because I know time is getting short, is I want to give some real uh, practical survival tips, things that may save your life in the days to come. Some of it is going to sound crazy, but, you know, I don't care about that. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, like they say, you glue the horse to water, but you can't force him to drink. You know, my duty is just to put it out there. And I put it out there in many of my lectures in the past, and many brothers and sisters came back to me and told me the results of it. You know, so I'm going to put out key survival tip number one. And if you remember one thing, remember this, and this will save your life even if you don't know all the plants and this and that and so on and so forth, 
this one thing will save your life in the days to come. And that's what's known as and referred to in books as urine therapy, mm-hmm. sometimes urinopathy. And what I found, I came across a book one day um, on that. I remember one day I went to a lecture by this guy, and he was, he was talking about urine therapy. And I'll never forget in the middle of the lecture, he was talking about how he practiced urine therapy. And in the middle of the lecture, he just stood up, just threw up. Right up on the stage, he just stood up, just vomited right up on the stage. And so naturally, everybody looking at that, I was like, oh, man, I'm not doing that. You know, look at him. He's up there throwing up. You know what I'm saying? But, see, i seen I seen something else in that, and I did further research on it. One of the reasons why he was that happened to him, he was throwing up, is because it, it, it purges your body to a degree to which, and he had just recently ate something like French fries or something just prior to that. And so naturally, it just it just threw it just threw it out of his body. It has that the, the ability to purge your body like that, so that you you try and throw any jump in, it's going to kick it right back out. But naturally, those who've seen it didn't understand it that way. But I, doing further research, I found out, and I found this in the military. I found this in the, the special forces military manuals. You won't, you're not going to find this in the regular military survival manuals. You will find this in the special forces manuals. I found out that you could survive. 30 to 60 days over your own urine without no other food or water supply. Keep this in mind, brothers, because I'm telling you, it will save your life one day. You can survive 30 to 60 days off your own urine without no other water or food supply. That will hold you long enough until you're able to secure other food and water sources. I also found out that it could cure you of any of their biological and chemical agents that they're going to unleash and they have been unleashing. You could cure yourself with your own urine. Why? Because in your own urine is found the antibodies to any disease that may afflict your body. This is why when you go to the doctor, the first thing he asks you for is a urine sample. When he asks you for that urine sample, he's not looking for the disease in the urine. He's looking for the antibodies in the urine that will alert him to the presence of the disease in the body. So whenever you're sick, every time you go to the bathroom in the morning, that morning urine, you're flushing down the toilet your own cure, whether you realize it or not. The pharmaceutical industry would never teach you this because it's just that, an industry. They don't want you to know about preventative medicines that will cure or heal you. They want you to take a pill that they produce three times a day for the rest of your life so they'll stay in business. Trust me, this will save your life. And of my children, I cure them of all their own, or I should say they cure themselves of all their own childhood ailments or whatever the case may be with their own urine. Now, you can't talk to this with everybody, you know, I have brothers come tell me how they cure their, their children of asthma, this and that, and some make the mistake of telling the doctor this, and the doctor calls children agencies on them and all kinds of crazy stuff like that, you know. So you don't um, want to talk about this, everyone, but I know from experience on myself, because before I ever spoke of this years ago, I, I experimented this on myself first. And I've seen the effect of it. I've seen my ability. One time, I even cured myself of pneumonia with it myself. And so I know the power of that. So that's survival tip number one. 
if you remember one thing, remember that. I, I don't worry about anything that's going to happen. For one, I know I'm divinely in tune with myself and in tune with the divine, which is out my higher self, just like your higher self. And two, I know that anything go down, the first thing I'm going to do is fill up my gut with as much water as I could get. The first thing I'm going to do, anything happen, I'm filling up the tub, because that's the thing in most people's house that holds up the most water. Fill it up with as much, fill it up to the brim of water. Second, I'm going to fill up my gut with as much water as I got to hold, because I know from that point on, I can survive off of that, which is in my gut, for 30 to 60 days from that point. All right, so number one. Two, um, know the edible wild plants and the medicinal wild plants. I have two of the field guides on my website that you could download instantly. Uh, if you go to worldfaremall.com slash moo slash survival. Uh, excuse me, worldfaremall.com, world, W-O-R-L-D, fair, F-A-I-R, mall, M-A-L-L.com slash moo, M-U. I put three survival manuals. I'm going to put more on tonight. Uh, but the main three I have up there is, is um, the one with the edible wild plants. One, and it breaks it down according to season. So you can even see the ones that's available in the winter. And it's a field guide so you can see the pictures so you can identify them yourself. I, I have the in the chat room. All right. I also have the field guide for the medicinal wild plants. And I also have a survival manual up there that is really two survival manuals in one. One of the things that made me so happy about that survival manual is that I learned a very powerful way to generate electricity. You know, um, one of the things that may happen in a city like this is that, you know, it, the first few days are going to be chaotic. You know, at any neighborhood in, in the city, in any given city, only has a 72-hour supply of food in any neighborhood, and that's what's in the stores. After that 72-hour supply of food is gone, there's nothing else that will be coming in, given the nature of a particular uh, 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 situation. And so it's going to be chaotic in those days. And many will have to be um, holed up in their places where they're at, you know, for a period of time. And so you want to be in a position to not only have food there, but be in a position to even grow food indoors. But to do that, you need certain types of light. You need you need light, and light leaves what electricity. So I said, so I had to think of a way to overcome that dilemma because I'm always thinking in terms of, of survival in different scenarios. And so the book that's on there, the survival book, gave me a beautiful solution to that problem. How to generate electricity when everything is when the whole grid is wiped out? It's very simple. You take any car alternator. And what you what what you should do right now um, is go to any AutoZone or any uh, car place and buy an alternator belt right now. Belt is not that much money. Alternators, cars are going to be all over the place and belts at that, but you want to get a, a good belt. And what you do to generate electricity is that you mount the alternator, and what you do is take any bike, take off the back, tire and back in the tube so you just have the rim and you put one end of the belt on the alternator and one end of the belt on the bike rim and you just pedal and you generate electricity and then you run the wire from the alternator to the battery 
to store the electricity that you're generating. So now you get an exercise and you generate electricity, that's all electricity that you need. There's not going to be no shortage of batteries and alternators because there's going to be cars stranded all over the place. Well, only a few is going to know what to do with those cars. I'm telling you that all every car is a source of electricity if you know what to do with it. And I learned that from the book that is on it, the, the survival uh, downloadable ebook has two ebooks in one. One has the manual that I just told you about that gave me that survival tip, and the other one has the survival manual for all the military forces, Army, Navy, Marines, so on and so forth. So that is very valuable to have. I'm gonna post uh, a couple more ebooks as well. Uh, one is gonna one is called um, uh, Civil Disorder, and there's two manuals that sh- that 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 gives their procedures that they will follow, given civil disorder and civil disruption. So you know how they are navigating. So you know how you should navigate in that time. All right, and I'm gonna have a whole have, I'm put up there a mushroom guide and a number of different um, survival uh, manuals and things that you need to have and begin to um, go out there and practice. I go out there in the spring. With my, I used to take my children out there and show them all different trees, trees and plants, and you have to learn how to communicate with them. But Rashan, Baba Rashan taught me, he said, Brother Hakeem, he said, when you, if you need this plant leaves to heal yourself, he said, you can't just run up, roll up on the brush up on the plant and just start plucking leaves. The plant will get scared, and it'll, it'll draw all the energies down to the roots, and all you'll get from the leaves is just green material with no healing properties. He said, you have to approach the plant, kneel down, stroking the plant leaves gently with your hands, and tell the plant what you need it for. The plant will fill you out, your chemistry, right through your hands, and it will give you the chemicals you need in the proportions that you need it specifically in. This is how we have to communicate with the plants in nature. And I also learned from dealing with certain plants like jimson weed. See, I'm, I'm a shaman, and it was three main uh, uh, hallucinogenic plants that were plant allies of the shamans of, this, of our Aboriginal ancestors in this hemisphere, and that was the, the jimson weed, also known as the Torstermonium, psilocybin mushroom, and the peyote plant. Those are the three plants that the shamans had to pass through or master in order to become shamans, plant allies. And those are very, very powerful plants. But just to use the example of one of them, the, the jimson weed, it has a seed pod that has spikes coming out of it. Whenever you see that, that means that's, the, that's a plant ruled by the planet Mars. You can't. I couldn't even post that plant face on because that plant I think I'm challenging is ruled by Mars. I had to I had to approach it sideways and kneel down facing sideways and speak to the plant and tell it what I needed it for. This is how we have to begin to relate to nature, plant. More, we 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 lost a lot, but we're about to gain much more. And we have to prepare ourselves for a brand new civilization. I refer to it as Northgate civilization because Northgate civilization exists right now. It's all throughout the universe. We just have to graduate into it. This earth is a big, big classroom. And we incarnate and reincarnate many times going through the 12 classes, the 12 grades on this, on, on this planet until we graduate into Northgate civilization. 
And if you do whatever you don't learn in this lifetime, many of you, many of us may have to get left back, just like in school, and repeat a grade until you learn and until you advance, until you graduate. So Northgate civilization, and then you have masters that already graduated that come back as professors, help others graduate. You see, so everybody down here are, are not just students or looking, to, or, or looking to graduate. You have those who already graduated, but who have t- taken on the duty to come back and help out their f- fellow men so they can become tenured master, masters because that's what you have to do. So more, you know, I, you know, I, I, I want to leave the, you know, the balance of the time because I know, you know, there's questions and comments. So I want to leave some of that time for that. But there's so much more that I would, you know, like to speak on and talk about. But I know the time doesn't permit. So I'm just gonna say peace. Well, this is just part one in a series of communications and interactive, you know, uh, lessons that we're gonna have with the people. So. You know, you always, you know what I mean? This is your home right here, brother. That's peace. That's peace. Oh, one other thing before I forget. Um, uh, 2007, I went on a vision quest. Um, the divine just told me, Hakeem, you know, you must separate yourself from the sons of men for a period of time. Pack up all your belongings, put them in storage, and and I want you to travel across this country the places that I'm going to show you that you must go to in order to receive certain revelations. And so that journey took me from New York City all the way to the border of Utah and Nevada. My goal was to go fully across the United States, all the way to California, spend the winter there, then come to the West Coast, all the way up to Washington, all the way up to Alaska. And that, what I was doing was staying in a series of, of state national state parks and national parks. And I wanted to go to Denali up in Alaska, all that. But as Divine had it, you know, the vision quest or that phase of it ended on the border of, of Nevada of Utah, Nevada. And I had just passed through actually it ended in Moab, Utah. Mm. I didn't know it at the time, but really that was the end of it. And then one day I relate to you all the experience I had at that time. But that, at that time it was revealed to me that the only thing that will be able to save out for brothers and sisters to save themselves in the days to come will be to form an unincorporated divine body or what they would call religious institution or whatever, an unincorporated divine body, which I subsequently formed um, with uh, Brother Ramel, with, with, and I had as witnesses uh, Brother Ramel and Brother Abeko who were witnesses with me during the time of, of that, as well as Sister Sarah and Todd Hill, uh, during the time of that vision quest. And the divine trust is this, to say that, to say that the divine trust is the original format of, of society that was given for this planet Earth. The whole thing was supposed to be a trust. And a trust, you have three elements. You have a trust res, you have a trustee, and you have a beneficiary. And we as man, we were made the trustees as well as the beneficiaries of this planet Earth. The planet Earth and the universe and all of creation is the trust res or trust property. And we were made the caliphs or the rulers or the lords, the trustees over that. 
and we were also the beneficiaries because of core and trust law. You could be the trustee and the beneficiary of your trust as long as you're not the sole trustee and sole beneficiary. So we were not only supposed to manage this trust res, this creation, as trustees, but we will also receive the benefits of it as beneficiaries. And I just want to read something from the Divine Trust. We have a, um, I, we set it up, and it's known as the Divine Trust, and it's located at the divinetrust.com if you want to learn what the principles of the Divine Trust is. And the foundation, everything has already been laid. It's just a matter of time before the people come into the paradigm of it. But the foundation of it has already been laid. And if you read the Quran of Mecca, just to show you that this divine trust goes back from the beginning of creation, it says, and this is the Quran of Mecca, uh, Surah 33, verse 72, it says, quote, We offer the trust unto the heavens and the earth and the mountains, but they shrank from bearing it and were afraid of it, and man assumed it. And so that's deep right there, Moors, brothers, because it's saying that this trust was given to the angels. It was given to all the people, and all of them, all of them shrank from it. They were scared of it because of, because of the great degree of responsibility that came with that. And it said, foolish man, we assumed it. And that has to take place. In order for a trust to be created, the, the creator of the trust, well, people will say, Allah, God, had to divest himself of the title, and transfer the title to the trustee, and the trustee had to accept the title and for, in order for the trust to be created. And so where it says, and man assumed it, foolish man, that means we accepted the trust. And so we have a divine obligation, those who understand, of trusteeship. We have to manage the creation and get it back online, and this is our duty. So on, on that, I just want to say peace. Indeed. Peace, we have five minutes remaining. I'm going to take I got a caller in the, from the chat room real quick. They want you to build on the Serpent Mound. The Serpent Mound? Yes, sir. Um, well, just not, not the Serpent Mound is alone, even though the Serpent Mound is very symbolic, you know, with the serpent and the egg, and it just, it just shows you that divine cycle. But all the mounds and pyramids that we built on the planet Earth, it was our ways our ancient ways of how we work with the earth energies, the same way like the body in terms of acupuncture. you got what they call meridians or lines in your body through which the, the energy flows. And then they would place acupuncture needles to stimulate or decrease the energy flow in certain areas, the same way we built these structures on the earth. On, on, what they, on the earth, the meridians are called magnetic ley lines or ley lines of force. And we would build obelisks, pyramids, temples, mounds, and certain locations to stimulate or decrease the energy flow in certain areas, They're dealing with the earth vortex energies and some, all kinds of energies. See, prior to 1500 B.C., the earth was, was based on a whole different energy structure, a whole different energy grid. But when the cataclysms took place in 1500 B.C., all that got disrupted. And so we still see these pyramids and these various structures and locations, but they lost their they lost their, they lost their original purpose as part of our whole energy system. And this is why we got to animal domestication and what's known as human slavery, because we had to find another renewable resource of energy, and that was animals and humans, because they what they're renewable, they reproduce. This civilization made a mistake. 
In the late 1800s, there was an experiment done with Maxwell to prove the existence of the ethers. And as a result of that experience, which was done incorrectly, they said no ethers exist. That was a wrong term. The ethers do exist. The ethers, oh man, it's, I wish I had more time to get into it, but um, suffice it to say that the ethers do exist. Everything in creation is just vortex. It spins on the ether. And so this civilization made a wrong turn and began to base itself on a non-renewable resource, gas, oil, so on and so forth. And so like a mouse in a maze with the cheese, if the mouse makes a wrong turn, every turn the mouse makes from that point on is going to be wrong. Right. Only way the mouse will get back on track, he has to retrace his steps back to where he made the wrong turn and then make the right turn. And that's what happened with this civilization. It made a wrong turn, so it's, it's, it's running into a dead end. Peace. Peace. Any other questions? And then time remaining, I, I would love. To, I wish I left a little more time for questions. But um, any other questions? Yeah, let's go yeah. to the chat. We got right. three minutes remaining. We're gonna be uh, online for another hour, just not streaming live. Everybody who's in the call queue, uh, I'm just gonna turn the phones on so that we could all be in the call queue together, off you know, off the air. And then all right. have the dialogue, you know, everybody respect everyone else's time and wisdom, and we just chop it up. All right. All right. All right. And, uh, you know, just to mention some other things, you know, you had the Norway spiral. You have things going on with black holes. But we have to remember and keep in mind, this goes back into the ethers. Everything is a spin on the ethers. An electron is a negative spin on the ethers sucking in. So that's why it's so small, sucking energy and light in. It loops around the fourth dimension and manifests in another location as a proton with energy coming out. And that's why a proton is so big. The same thing with black holes and suns. Every sun is fed by a black hole. The black hole sucks in all light and energy, sucks it in, loops around the fourth dimension, and manifests in another part of the universe as a sun with that same energy that is sucked in flowing outward. All right? And so this is what we have going on. Our sun is fed by a black hole. Its source of energy is, is a black hole located in another location. All right? And these are the ethers, and this is how everything works. Everything is just spins on the ethers. This is how we create, you know, using our minds. By what? Putting, putting a spin on the ether because the ether is so tenuous. You have gas, liquid, and solid. A solid is the atoms are very dense, packed together. A liquid is a little more loose. Gas is even looser. But the ether is even more loose. The ether is so, is so tenuous that thought, could leave an impression on the ethers, all right? Thought could leave an impression. So, you could, so with your mind and with thought, you could put certain types of spins and vortexes on the ethers and create matter by just thought. Mm-hmm. Matter is not created, but not destroyed. No, destroyed. <laughs> it's just what? A vortex of the ethers. Everybody your phone is now live. We're going to go Islam. Islam. Peace. Islam. Peace. I, that's right, Brother Parton. <laughs> I know yeah, that voice. Yeah, that's the herbal pill. Islam, family. <laughs> Islam. Islam. Yes, I didn't even know it was in um, Q. Yeah. But um, also expounding on the um, on the mounds, 
um, you were saying about the meridians. Actually, dealing with the body, the meridians is actually under the subsurface. The pressure points is mm-hmm. on top. You know that mm-hmm. dealing with the um, with the martial arts. If you ever notice, all the mounds are on the 33rd degree axis, and it also yep. lines up with the Great Pyramid of Giza. So that's actually your pressure points in the meridians are under. That's all the lines that's running across, or better yet, known as a grid. You know, that goes back to ancient Kimmy when they were talking about the Bach or the Ark of the Covenant, where you can actually sit it on the grid and it opens up a gate or a gate, gateway of communication. That's why it was laced in gold, because gold is actually um, a material conduction. for energy conduction, or better yet, for a, transmute, um, a transmitter of mm-hmm. the That's right. That's right. That's right. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and then also um, dealing with Hurricane Katrina and the earthquakes, you know, living in the city, it do cause a lot of bad um, <clears throat> sewage, backup sewage, you know what I mean? Um, you can't get out, roads is cut off, you've seen that for Hurricane Katrina, you know. Um, you can't get nothing to eat because you only have like 72 hours of worth of food in each huh. city around around um, the United States or North America. And as of now, you... The um, national warehouse only have like three years or two and a half years of food left over. Islam, and, and, and you know, and I heard some today that really, really, you know, really, really shocked me or really made me really feel bad. What's going on with the brothers and sisters in Haiti? It was a brother who was on the ground there reporting, and what he's saying is going on over there. It's been thirteen days. That some of them brothers and sisters haven't had no food and water, and Obama sent the military. Now, 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 check out what's going on down there. You send the military down there. They're riding around through the through the slums, through the destruction in there, three Humvees deep, armed to the teeth with big, massive guns. And those are people's looking at them, saying, "Wait, you know, you got all this food over there." In the, in the airport, all the stuff sitting there, and y'all riding through here with guns? Where's the food? And check what's going on. The reason why is because Lava Lease, many, many of the instead of, instead of coordinating, you have different community leaders down there in Haiti that's doing all they can do in the communities to make sure that, you know, children are fed and so on and so forth. Instead of America doing what they should do, coordinate with the leaders down there to make sure and to handle the distribution of the food, because many of those leaders were part of the party known as La Valise, which was part of um, uh, uh, Aristide's government, who they exiled, they don't want to deal with. They don't want to deal with those community leaders. So what they want to do is treat those leaders and the people in the community like they're criminals, seeing they're looting and all this stuff like this, and riding around and they want to shoot them and kill them, and don't want to give them the food and water. So all they're doing is there is protecting the uh, the interests of the ones who got money down there, protecting their property so it won't be quote unquote looted. How are you gonna call what they're doing is looting? Imagine you in your neighborhood, everything's broke down. There's a big supermarket there with food and water inside of it. Naturally, people's gonna go there to get the food and water out of there. You gonna you gonna you gonna call them looting and you gonna shoot and kill them? You know, so this is the game. It's long. Here's the science. Here's the science to this. Okay, we're gonna do straight mathematics by being more scientists, right? Four years ago, dealing with Hurricane Katrina, and even further than that, 
um, dealing in the 1700s and the 1800s, dealing with Napoleon Bonaparte, when he actually had Haiti under his subjection, dealing with the plantations that was under the French rule, just as well over here in Louisiana. The mm-hmm. same thing would wind up happening on Sunday when the Saints and them won the game, all right, when they actually was given the game. Remember, the Saints have the fur de lis, which actually came from under the Roman Catholics that was given to the French monarchy. What wind up happening is when the slaves was actually trying to leave the plantations in Jamaica and Haiti and the Dominican Republic and Louisiana, when they got caught, they was, their ear was cut off, and it was branded with a furtily on one shoulder. When he was trying to get away again, he was recalled by the police. He got his hamstring cut, and then he was branded on the other side with the furtily. So it's not a coincidence or accident because that same Sunday and the Monday after that, Pope Benedict actually made a statement and said that he is calling for all the divisions of the Christians to stop being divided and come together under Christianity and spread the word of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yep. So they make it. They make it moves. This no. They 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 are reinitiating the crusades, and all of it has been building up. But you've seen it. They set it off on Christmas Day when he got tackled by the woman in red. Then when they busted the boy, the the Nigerian on the plane. And his nickname is Pope. And we got all kind of stories about them, you know, escorting him on the plane. You know, he was a straight patsy. You know, he's a, he's four, from. Hmm? And then four weeks before that, then you had the three people who went into the Val Vidal, which in Arabic is known as the White House, mm-hmm. for the dinner. <laughs> no, is that the dinner where they breached? That's the dinner where they breached the security, right? Yeah, when they breached the dinner security. Yeah, because there was a whole litany. It was a litany of breach security. The first breach was the Obama party when when the lady in red once again breached the um she breached the gates with her husband. If anybody would have breached Bush party like that, they would have been in Guantanamo Bay. The second breach was when the.